0: It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. My name's Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at OwenElyMN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at NorthStarMIN. Be sure to check out our new website uh, at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everybody. We got a great one for you today here on this Tuesday morning as we recap UFC Fight Night I vs. Calvillo, which took place on Saturday, June 13th at the UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, and I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not going to say, listen, I'm not going to say it was. it was a good show. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. There were a couple of fights that I, I kind of knew would be good fights uh, anyway. Um, but, you know, like I said, on, on paper, on the preview show, on paper, this fight card was looking to be probably the worst in UFC history. Now, I also said I wasn't rooting for that. Uh, I said I, I, I very well could be wrong because, like I said, you know, a lot of these times when you don't know the fighters... I mean, nobody really puts on bad fights in the UFC necessarily. So, you know, you could you could take a bum from this organization and you could take a bum from this organization and put them in the UFC. And, I mean, it's prob- it might not be a high-level fight, but it'll, it'll be a good fight. It'll be a fun fight. Um, you know what I mean? So uh, I was surprised it was not a snoozer. Again, a, a slightly below average card. I'm not trying to, you know... Talk too sweet on the card, but you know it was fun. I uh, I got to admit, I uh, I did not watch all of the card. Uh, I did f- I did watch the Marvin Vittori. I watched the co-main and the main event completely, uh, but the other ones, uh, I I did not watch them uh, completely because I was busy doing other things, uh, chiefly playing Left 4 Dead 2, arguably one of the greatest video games of all time, and. The thing about Left 4 Dead 2 is, and why I chose to play it over over watching a UFC fight card is, you know, the card was whatever. I mean, you know, we had a guy, what's that kid's name, Zaruk Adeshev, who was 3-1. and one. He was 3-1 and one in fighting on a UFC card. And this is why, I hate to be jumping all over the place here, but, you know, we do the North Star Sports rankings here on the website, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute because uh, you know, there were some pretty big changes on the women's side of the rankings because of this fight card. But I was thinking, you know, we don't do rankings for men's flyweight because in my opinion, the men's flyweight division is an absolute joke. Uh, they, I, they barely have enough fighters to constitute a top 15. So if the UFC doesn't care about the flyweight division, then North Star Sports doesn't. Then we're not going to rank them. The same reason we don't rank UFC uh, women's featherweight because there's like three fighters. So, I was thinking about doing the the flyweight rankings f- and and adding them on, which I might in the future if they keep signing fighters. But like, man, if you got sixteen flyweight fighters, why am I doing a top fifteen? Like, okay, so any bum breaks into the top ten if they have a win. Um, so I again, I don't know. I think it's more likely we add a men's pound for pound, uh, than we add uh, a men's flyweight. But um, uh, you know, they, they just had a lot of, a lot of flyweights on this card, which doesn't interest me necessarily. And going back to the Adeshev guy, he just got sparked by someone who had, oh, let's see, five times the experience, six times the experience of, uh, of his, you know, career fights and Tyson Nam. So I gotta be honest, I was, I was a little interested in the main card. I wasn't super interested in the prelims, but going back to left Ed too. And you know, I don't know, I might do a segment on, on video games or something, but, I mean, they don't make them like they used to, and I hate to be that old guy, but, man, they really don't. You look at you look at Left 4 Dead 2, honestly, maybe the pinnacle. Honestly, that might be the pinnacle of video games. I mean, surely, surely the technology has advanced since 2009. Like, no doubt, graphics have gotten better. You know, this has gotten better, this and that. But I don't think you'll find a better game, except for one. You'll only find one better game than Left 4 Dead 2. But such a fun game, and I I would rather play that. And we played with, uh, you know, the North Star Sports Hall of Famer, Drew Peterson. It was fun. We wanted to get the DLC, but they're still charging $6 a pack for the DLC, which, honestly, it might be worth it. Honestly, it might be worth it. But that's a fun game, classic game. I've played, honestly, maybe thousands of hours of Left 4 Dead 2 going back to sleepovers in middle school and just playing eight hours of left for dead just playing through the entire campaign but what a great game see it's not about the graphics it's about the gameplay and honestly I don't think gameplay has improved since left for dead 2 I mean yeah you could point to this and that and, and certain things in certain games but when it comes to pulling it all together in one package it's just fun man it's just fun like is there a lot of customization in Left 4 Dead 2? Absolutely not. You get to pick four characters. Can you pick anything about them? Nope. It's a it's a pretty linear game as well. But, god damn, that is... The, honestly, that might be the funnest game of all time. And the fact that Valve... Listen, I'm not a video game nerd. I don't really know anything about Valve. But apparently they're not making games or something from what I was reading. But, man, what I wouldn't pay... Even for them just to remaster Left 4 Dead 2, just to fix up the, the graphics, don't even touch the gameplay because the gameplay is just perfect. But even for them just to make it like take Battlefield 2, like the the new the new shittier Battlefield 2 from like a couple of years ago, take those graphics and put it in Left 4 Dead 2. I mean, good God and i've been thinking i've been thinking about buying Left 4 Dead 2 on the pc cuz i'm sure some nerds have probably done that and made the graphics amazing but i don't know man i just don't get into pc gaming it's just not it's not really that fun like me, i guess you can buy a controller you can stick into your computer but th- this is just all above my my pay grade i'm a i'm a media entrepreneur you know i'm i'm a real trailblazer in, in media you know spending all this time on video games and figuring out steam and stuff like that. I don't know man it's just so, so time consuming. but uh, classic game now, the only game better is Star Wars Battlefront 2 the original from 2005. not this not this stupid 2016 with packs and all that. no 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 Galactic Conquest absolutely perfect. absolutely amazing. There has been no better game mode than Galactic Conquest. Playing that shout out to the Bouse Man. I know the Bouse Man's never gonna hear this, but the Bousman is an is an absolute legend. You guys should do your research and you sh- you should look up the Bousman because, you know the, the 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 old the old Bushka, I mean he he's a solid guy, great guy. Terrible tattoos, I got to admit. Outside of a couple, the ones that have sentimental value, I'm not gonna say are terrible, but, uh, you know the, some of the other ones are a little wacky, a little zany, but, uh, the just. Playing that with the Busca in in middle school, what a great what a great game, and it's it's amazing how you have the blueprint for an amazing game, and in a in a I think the Star Wars Battlefront two the shittier newer version came out like honestly probably almost a decade to the date uh, of actually maybe a little more like 11, 12 years, and like you have the blueprint like you know what to do you know hey, we need space battles, we need all of this. But no, we, do, we make the graphics super cool, but we make the gameplay just absolute buns. So it, it's just weird, man. They don't make them like they used to. Like the Maddens, how you used to be able to customize stadiums and stuff like this and create your own teams. Like, you know, you guys got to realize, man, that like Maddens have been going downhill probably since like Madden 12. Like, yeah, the graphics get... Get better. Yeah, you go to the Frostbite engine. Yeah, you know, gameplay gets a little smoother, you know what I mean? But, you know, they they don't make them like they used to. The three greatest video games of all time. I me mean, I should do an all-time list in the future. But Star Wars Battlefront 2 is number one. Left 4 Dead 2. And then, like, NCAA 14. So, like, I mean, but... But notice all the time here. 2005, 2009, 2014. Like... I, would, I mean there's some great games in the last couple of years but man they just don't compare to the classics like you know G- GTA 5 I know that's pissing a lot of people off because they're that that's about to be on its third console before we get GTA 6 which is absolutely ridiculous but listen guys stop buying shark cards if you stop buying shark cards they're gonna make GTA 6 but as long as five is profitable why would they ever? They could go another five years without making GTA 6. Why? Do, what do they care? They're still making money hand over fist. But you know, that's that was fine. That was that was a great game. Uh, a very underrated game. A very underrated game. That honestly, it might have taken me a I don't want to say a month to beat, but it might have taken me like two to three weeks to beat because it gets a little bit repetitive. But they do a very good job at not keeping it overly repetitive. And the, the size of the map is amazing. The gameplay is super fun and tactical. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands 2 is a top 5 game of all time for me. That's an amazingly fun game. Great gameplay. Awesome customization. Way better than whatever that Ghost Recon that just came out with that I wasted money on and have, have played like 20 minutes. Whatever the new Ghost Recon's is, absolute ass. Um, definitely not as good as, as Wildlands 2. But Wildlands 2... I don't see a lot of people talking about that game, but man, it's fun. It's fun. It's like a it's like a mix between GTA cuz it's it's open world, you can do whatever, great customization like GTA. Obviously not to that level, but a mix between like GTA Call of Duty and like Rainbow Six where like it's it's tactical. It's tactical like a like a Rainbow Six, but not not overly tactical and it's not it's a shoot it's a 'em up but it's not overly shoot 'em up where like oh i die and i just respawn, and and you know that's whatever you know i'll kill three people and then die once you know every every 40 seconds so it's like a really awesome blend of of all that and uh that that's a, a an all-time game but uh i don't really know where i was going with this other than uh these classic video games are better than um than a uh, a poor UFC fight card, but I, I mean I guess I guess we can get into the fight card now that I've spent eleven minutes talking about about classic video games, but um, big changes, man, big changes. Uh, like I said, the I think everybody outside of the champion obviously uh changed in that in that flyweight division. Yeah, every, everybody changed. I mean Cynthia Calvillo, props to her. Uh, you know the flyweight division in, for for the women is uh, pretty poor, and, and you know understandable. It's a new division. It's a it's a growing sport, women's MMA. But like, you know, it's a real especially compared to straw weight. I mean, even bantam weight. Not that bantam weight is that awesome or deep, but you know, flyweight. Uh, it, it it it's going to be a happening division in the next couple of years because you look at the infusion of young talent. Um, in that division, it's going to be a fun division in the future. But right now, eh, not so much. And Calvillo, instant title contender. Like I always say, if you're in the top five, a title shot could happen at any time. You know what I mean? There might be more logical choices because of context, but, like, one win. And she she was only number 10 at the strawweight division, and she jumps up eight spots North star sports has her as the number two flyweight just behind Caitlin Chukagian. Excuse me. So, um, good news for Caitlin Chukagian because she moves up one spot for no reason, uh, other than Jessica, I falling and, uh, everybody, everybody bumps down a spot or, or two or three. When you look at four and down, uh, we do have a random shuffle putting Jennifer Maya from four to three, uh, Joanne Calderwood drops from three to five. So Joanne Calderwood drops one spot because Calvillo jumps up from eight in straw weight to two. But then she also drops one spot with a random shuffle with Maya. Just cause I, I I know it's weird, but sometimes the UFC does random shuffles in their rankings. And I, you know, I really had to do an overhaul in the division. So like, you know, because everybody's on the move in this division because of this and and the more i looked at maya's body of work and calderwood's body of work i was just like ah i actually think jennifer maya should be higher higher rank so even though calderwood's probably getting the next title shot if that hasn't even if that's not even been officially announced it might have it might have been but uh, she jumps down to 5 um, and jessica i from from 4 to or excuse me from 1 to 4 you know, yeah, she, she lost to the number 10 strawweight, but her body of work is still better than a lot of these mid-ranked flyweights. So I think... I don't really look at other people's rankings, to be honest with you, because uh, I kind of want to do it my way. Um, but I'd imagine Jessica I probably drops further in other rankings, maybe down to 5 or 6 or 7, you know, because she she did lose to a significantly lower-ranked opponent. But I don't know, man. Look at her body of work. Like, this... this That might happen if she was a welterweight, and you look at how stacked the welterweight division is, but this is a very shallow division where most of the fighters have never done anything, Uh, so she still stays in that top five. Um, But again, a a really impressive performance by Calvillo. In my opinion, probably lost that first round, but uh, made the adjustments. She knew what she had to do. She went back to the corner, they talked about pacing, and she really put put on the pace, and I thought she won the next four rounds, winning at 49-46 in in my mind, and it really just wasn't even competitive in, in the next four rounds. I wouldn't I would not say any of them were 10-8, dominant necessarily. I mean, it depends with like the new rules how they want to make it more frequent that you get 10-8s, but just very solid rounds, not not utter domination, but just really solid rounds, like seven minutes of of ground control time in a 25-minute fight, and very well-rounded, a very good ground game. And you really could see that. I think that was the adjustment that she made because after she had all that ground time in round two, I mean, I think going into round three, you heard Jessica Ice Corner talk about um, just straight-up boxer. Don't even throw knees, don't throw kicks because she's going to grab onto it. And if you're Calvillo and you can make somebody that one-dimensional, like, it's not a boxing fight. So I thought that was a terrible strategy. Maybe it was the right... Advice, but it's not not that great of a strategy for Jessica I and her corner because okay we're gonna go out and box Calvillo. Well, we're gonna get taken down. Like this is not kickboxing, this is not boxing. Calvio is good enough to where she can get takedowns. So, uh, and you saw that when she committed to takedowns, where uh, she she went for the takedown, I think in round f- three even, uh, and or maybe it was round two, it was earlier on in the fight, and missed it the first time, but then you know kind of got the rebound. Second chance takedown, and uh, you know, just a great performance. So, um, it it honestly would not shock me if Calvillo got a title shot because it seems like the UFC wants to push her. Uh, I mean, the UFC promos were absolutely whack. They were making it seem like Jessica I was was Amanda Nunes, and they were making it seem like Cynthia Calvillo. What is it, the comparator to uh, uh, Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor? <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, So the UFC promos are are top-tier propaganda, but um, if the UFC thinks that highly of her, it wouldn't shock me if she got the next title fight with Shevchenko after Calderwood. I mean, if Chukagian keeps winning fights, you know, maybe, but she got dealt with pretty quickly. I don't think anybody's interested in a Jennifer Maya title fight. I don't think anybody's interested in in, in Roxanne Modaferi or Lauren Murphy fighting for a title. So, really until Macy Barber can recover from that ACL injury and, you know, start beating all these middling flyweights. You know, Calvio's sitting pretty. I don't I know. I don't think she has what it takes to beat Valentina Shevchenko to be honest with you, but I really don't think that anybody has what it takes to beat Shevchenko. Uh, even Amanda Nunes, I thought Shevchenko beat her twice. And I thought, certainly, you know, that was a robbery, Shevchenko versus Nunez 2. That was an absolute robbery. And again, you know me, I, I, I throw around robbery very loosely. There's decisions I disagree with, but not every split decision I disagree with is a robbery. Robberies are very, very rare. They are very, very big. So I use that word very carefully when I say that Shevchenko Nunez 2 was a robbery. But uh, I mean, outside of the judges stealing it from Valentina Shevchenko, I I don't see anybody posing a threat until Macy Barber gets enough under her belt, and then, and then maybe we'll and and, and then you know we'll see we'll see. Uh, but a, a solid performance there from Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, I also was really impressed with Marvin Vittori he had that rear naked choke at the end of the first round versus Carl Roberson. Good for Vittori. Good for this guy. You know, Carl Roberson seems like uh. Uh, a bit of a punk. Doesn't doesn't really seem like a likable character. Uh, uh, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. But you know, missing weight and missing weight massively by four pounds. That is just like four pounds doesn't sound like a lot, but that means you didn't even try, man. Like if you miss by a pound or even two is kind of big, but like man, you miss by four. Like you really didn't even try, so. Good for Vittori because he's had quite the um, the rough patch when it comes to getting opponents and, you know, all that. And then the hotel uh, event with Kyle with Roberson, you know. It, it, it was good and, you know, a good placement on the card because this is not a great card and, you know, hopefully some eyes were on him and uh, now more people know who Marvin Vittori is. And, and to be honest, I hope he gets a top 10 opponent next. I think he's a really talented guy. I hate to, you know, be cliché, be uh, cliché and bring up the split decision loss he had to Israel Adesanya, but you know, he's a he's a top-level fighter. He did have a draw with uh nobody talks about this, but he did have a draw with Omari Akhmedov, who's kind of an underrated uh fighter in that middleweight division. He's currently number 11 in North Star Sports rankings. Uh but a great victory for Vittoria. I think he's 5 and 3 in the UFC now. Uh but really on a on a hot streak as of late. Excuse me, 5 5 and 2. Uh, so he breaks in to the top 15. He is now the number 14th ranked middleweight. Uh, so Antonio Carlos Jr. drops out from 14 to unranked. We keep Kristoff's Jotko at 15. Uh, cause the more I, th- the more I thought about it, I mean, it would make sense to put shoe face at 15 and then just drop Jotko out, but shoe is on a two fight losing streak he hasn't won since I think 2017, and Jot goes on a three-fight winning streak, even though they're not great competition uh, outside of Eric Anders. Uh, so that's why that's why we just flip-flopped to 14 to unranked. Uh, but a good a good uh, showing for him. Really showed the hands, and I'm not I'm not trying to make it seem like he's Yoel Romero here, but he's he's got some heavy hands when he wants to throw them, and he's got great wrestling. You know, I I classify him more as a, a grappler than I would a striker, but. You know, kind of a well-rounded, well-rounded guy who I think could present some problems, uh, even for some top ten fighters. I think he could present some problems. So uh, we'll see. The the middleweight division is kind of uh, uh, held up at the moment when you look at people who uh, who we could fight. Like I think Hermanson is supposed to fight Gastelum. That's six and seven. Uh, Brunson is supposed to fight Shabazian. That's eight and nine uh, Ian Heinish, I forget who he's fighting, but I think he's fighting in a couple of weeks. Uh, it might even be, I think he might fight Brad Tavares, but I, I can't confirm that. So, I mean, you're really looking at maybe a rematch with Omari Akhmedov. I don't think he has an opponent. Uh, if Brad Tavares doesn't have a fight, maybe him, but that's, you're only fighting a guy one up. Um, so honestly, I, 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 I struggle when, when, in the immediate future thinking about who he should fight, but, you know, if he wants to take a little break and, and let some clarity come, you know, from, say, 7 to 13 in the division, I mean, you know, he, he could find a favorable matchup, uh, maybe at the end of the year, or, or maybe October or, or November. Uh, we also had a split decision victory for Charles Rosa over Kevin Aguilar. Didn't really watch that fight. Again, too busy playing left for dead, too, but... Uh, props to Charles Rosa, uh, cause he, he came back on like three weeks notice, uh, cause he just lost, uh, in, what was it in that twister to, to Bryce Mitchell, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, or no, almost twister. I don't, I don't think it was the, the twister or actually who knows I'm really tired. So I, I don't know, but I know he did lose to, um, to Bryce Mitchell. Uh, so good to, get, to see him back on, on track. Uh, Andre Feeley winning by split decision over Charles Jordan. Uh, again, I got that one wrong. I thought Jourdain would win. Uh, I'm still high on him. I know he's lost two of his last three, but pretty pretty solid opponents that he's lost to. And again, Feeley's a tough guy, and you know you never really know what you're going to get from this guy because uh, he'll win two fights and he'll lose one, and and you know he'll beat some guys he's not supposed to beat, and then he'll just kind of lose some fights, and. You know, outside of that split decision loss to Michael Johnson, I mean, he would have won six of his last seven, so this, you know, that was an interesting thing I heard on the broadcast. Uh, you know, this is a guy who, honestly, he he might be in the top ten if he didn't have that split decision loss to Michael Johnson. I know he lost to Sadiq Youssef as well, but, you know, this, he's beaten some solid to above average names, uh, but just kind of falters after he gets on like a two-fight winning streak, but... Uh, he, he's definitely, you can't say he's not an interesting fighter. He is an interesting fighter and he certainly looked like death, uh, at weigh-ins. Uh, we also had Jordan Espinosa win a unanim- unanimous decision, uh, over Mark De La Rosa. Again, this is why, I know this was at Bantamweight, but this is, is between two flyweight fighters. This is why we don't rank Bantamweights because the Bantamweight division is a joke. Uh, Mark Mark De La Rosa is on a four-fight losing streak, all to UFC newcomers for the most part. Uh, Perez, Cara France, Paiva, Espinoza. And, oh, and yet we have to watch this guy in the UFC. The uh, flyweight division is such an absolute joke. The, there are very good flyweight fighters outside of the UFC. I'm not, I'm not going to say that one FC has a better overall flyweight division than the UFC, although you probably could argue that. But, like, if you're committed to, the, to having a flyweight division, can you sign some talent, please? Can you sign some fighters that we might know? Uh, so, it, it's frustrating. Uh, again, Mark De La Rosa deserves to be on a four-fight losing streak just for the sole... He deserves to be on a 15-fight losing streak just for the sole fact that his nickname is the Bumblebee. That might be the worst nickname in all of professional sports. You are a... Gr- well... A grown man, but I guess he's like five foot two. Oh, five foot six, okay. But, you know, you're a grown man. You're a cage fighter, and your nickname is The Bumblebee. That's just embarrassing. You deserve a, a five-fight losing streak, sir. That is that is really bad. Um, I saw a lot of people get high on Maria Agapova. She had a quick finish over Hannah Cyphers. Um, I would say, you know that could be an interesting fighter. Again, you talk about the young infusion of talent at flyweight and the UFC poaching Invicta fighters. The flyweight division, listen, it'll round out. You look at strawweight when it first started in the UFC, yeah, not really that good. But as time goes on, it fills out and it becomes better. I mean, this is a division that's less than three years old, I want to say. So, you know, and this is also a division that had Nico Montano as a the champion at one point, so you know there, there, there's, there's progression, there's steps to this, there's levels to this, um, but it was a, there was a, a, great finish. Again, don't get too high. Hannah Ciphers is, is again another fighter that does not belong in the UFC, and believe me, there's plenty of fighters on this card that don't belong in the UFC, and Hannah Ciphers is one of them. Uh, but again, a solid victory for the, the newcomer who, uh, you know, just, just wasn't ready to beat Tracy Cortez on the. Uh, contender series, but got some seasoning and in Invicta, and you know maybe she'll make some noise in a division that's really really shallow. I mean, honestly, you know, again, you look at the shuffling we just did in the flyweight division. I mean, one or two more wins, and she could be in the top ten. Like it really depends on on who you're facing, but uh, it's a pretty easy division to climb, all things con- considered, as evidence by uh, Cynthia Calvillo's uh, eight-spot rise uh, in one night. Uh, a decision here from Rob Davalishvili, who I'm really high on. Uh, again, you could make an argument that he's never lost in the UFC. He's 11-4. He's, he's a very interesting fighter. Um, he had that split decision loss versus Frankie Signs and that choke loss to Ricky Simone. That was complete BS. Uh, which I forgot about. I remember that being a big deal at the time, and then I just forgot about it, but because he was fighting, uh, I was looking up uh, Marab videos, and yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. That was a total BS decision by the referee. He was kicking his legs. He was in that fight, uh, and he, he got robbed of, if not a victory, a chance to, to to have a victory, a chance to go to the scorecards. Um. And then uh, he's on a four-fight winning streak right now. Again, not super awesome competition like Terry Ware, Brad Katana, Gustavo Lopez, Casey Kenny. That's a very solid underrated victory in my mind. Um, but again, this is a guy who could be 6-0 and in the UFC. I really wanted to rank him in the bantamweight rankings, but I just couldn't do it because he just doesn't have the 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 level of competition to be ranked over somebody like a Marlon Vera. Or a John Dodson or a Song Yadong. But you know, listen, man, he's one win away from being ranked in, in the Bantamweight division. And honestly, give him a top ten opponent. Give him a give him a really good opponent. He's he's been a company guy. He fights all the time. He's a he's a very fun guy to watch. Uh, you know, take down I mean, he's the machine. They call him the machine. So I would really like to see a big step up in competition for Marab. And um, it's going to be tough to, to crack the, the rankings. Not even the human coloring book Sean O'Malley is, is ranked in our top 15 because he's beaten nobody. Uh, but he is ranked top 15. I think, I think he's ranked 15 in the UFC's rankings, which is why we don't listen to the UFC rankings because they are BS. And Sean O'Malley should not be ranked. Uh, we also had a quick victory for Julia Avila over uh, Gina Mazzani again. Good for her. Hopefully, she gets a uh, quick turnaround. Not going to pretend that I know anything about Julia Avila, but again, very, very low competition because I think Mazzani is on like a four fight losing streak, but whatever. Uh, Speaking of low competition, Zaruk Adeshev got knocked out by Tyson Nam, a guy who did not have a win in the UFC uh, prior to this event. Don't have anything to say about that. It was a pretty good knockout, pretty solid knockout for 125. He's, you know, Tyson Nam, he's the, he's the real hard hitting 125 er uh, good for him. Uh, I mean, you, you beat basically an amateur, but, uh, props to him. And, uh, the prelim opener was, uh, uh, honestly kind of a sizable, sizable upset. Christian Aguilera, uh, knocking out Anthony Ivey. Uh, I got that one wrong. I, I picked Ivy for no reason, really. Uh, I didn't know either of these guys because they're just guys the UFC picks off the streets. Um, but props to Aguilera. I mean, it wasn't like a vicious knockout. You know, it was a TKO. But listen, if if you, and I think I think Ivy might have been like a three hundred favorite, three fifty favorite or something. So the like the thing is, if if you can beat. If you can come in as an underdog, even a moderate to sizable underdog, and beat somebody, I mean, good things can happen. Like, I I go back, and now this was an extreme example, but like, Kama Worthy, when he came in and fought Devonta Smith, I I think is his name, and he was a minus 1100 favorite and knocks him out viciously, I mean, like, people know who you are, and he's scheduled to fight on Fight Island, I forget who he's going to fight, but like... You know what I mean? Like, that's that's one of the ways to circumvent having to f- beat, you know, four n- no-name fighters, you know, just to get some recognition. So, you know, props to Christian Aguilera. Again, his record is absolutely not going to blow you out of the water, but he's only 28 and, uh, uh, you know, a, a solid victory over Anthony I- Ivey as the underdog uh, in his uh, UFC debut. Uh, so with that, that's going to be the end of our show. Again the uh, north star sports ufc rankings dropped uh, earlier today uh, you can check those out uh, they are the only true rankings the only correct rankings you can, you can you can look at all the other ones but you know they're they're just a little bit wrong they're a little bit off but the north star sports rankings are just absolutely absolutely perfect as they as they should be uh, and you can you can find that on northstarsports.media Again, you can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at NorthStarMIN, and you also can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M-N. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.